turn in our Bibles then to our last study in 1 Thessalonians at this time in chapter 5 of this letter which the Apostle wrote uh, to that large city in Greece. Come then to think of for full commitment or perhaps more accurately uh, godly resolutions uh, which express our commitment. Some of the most popular resolutions made by people at the start of the academic year, which we're at now, the start of the school year, or the start of the, the church year, where we are at this time, according to research by Albrecht Powell, and which has seen little change from year to year, are spend more time with family, fit in fitness, tame the bulge, quit smoking, enjoy life more, get out of debt, learn something new, help others get organized. Maybe you have thought about some of these things after your summer break, your rest, your summer holiday, and as all the busyness of life comes down upon you again, you've considered these resolutions for your spouse, for your family, for yourself, and perhaps you've even started working on some of those. The Cumber Park run yesterday, there were some people who had started to run there with a resolution to improve their fitness. The start of the school year, the church year, is a good time for us to look at our lives and address weaknesses in them by making fresh resolutions. And this is what we're doing in church this evening. We're taking some of these closing commands of 1 Thessalonians, a book written from Corinth, as you all know by now, by the apostle in around 50 AD to a young congregation in Greece, a prosperous city with a population of 100,000, and making these resolutions for our lives as we begin this fresh academic church year. The college is starting on Tuesday, for example. As Paul ends this letter to young believers, he finishes with a compressed set of goals, aims, commands by which they and we glorify God. Many of these commands are short and snappy and easily memorized by us, not like question 57 in the shorter catechism which one of our children was trying to memorize this afternoon. Thus, these closing exhortations are ideal for us who forget names, who depend on devices to provide our answers, our contact details, our directions. We can turn them, these short, snappy statements, into resolutions for this new school, academic, church year. So we take these commands set in three groups of three to be resolutions for us in 23, 24. Firstly, there's resolutions for our time, resolutions for our relationships, and resolutions for ourself. Think about the three resolutions and then there will be comforts at the end and encouragements, okay? So as we go through these resolutions, we will end with some help for us 
as we consider this. Resolutions for our time, verses 16 to 18. Think about this, though. Here's three resolutions for every moment of this new school year, church year, academic year. What resolutions these are. Rejoice always, verse 16. Pray without ceasing, verse 17. Give thanks in all circumstances, verse 18. Resolutions for our time. Rejoice always, verse 16. The reference here is to that deep inner Christian joy in Christ, not to going about smiling like a Cheshire cat. This is the joy of the Lord, which comes from God's forgiveness, from having the hope of eternal glory. And we get that joy through repentance of our sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 6, if you remember, away before the summer, refers to joy of the Holy Spirit. Not the joy of earthly success, or of graduating with our degree, or of getting a pay rise, or of winning the league. Those welcome occasions provide a joy, but that joy, we all know, is temporary. But this joy comes from God's Spirit. It's the result of reconciliation with God through the perfect life of Christ and his atoning death. Rejoice always. And so in this church year, this academic year, this school year, we are to have continual joy from remembering that we are right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That that status of grace in which we are never changes, but sometimes it's forgotten by us. Or sometimes the sheer wonder and richness of our status in Christ is unexplored or unappreciated by us. Life's burdens, disappointments, challenges, legitimate demands, twists and turns, sheer busyness can distract our minds or suppress our spiritual joy. We lose sight of God's salvation and love and see only the earthly things and not the heavenly. Here's a resolution for us to ensure that our joy is not tied to health and wealth but is rooted in the Lord Jesus. Speaker at this year's minister's conference had no flashy dress, no attractive suit, no colourful tie, no edgy hairstyle, no flights of eloquence in his talks. Humility and lack of impressiveness oozed out of the man. There was nothing to distract the listeners from the sheer beauty of his message about Christ. It worked. We delighted in the truth that he taught. So let us too constantly rejoice in our relationship with God this year in Christ. And perhaps there will be circumstances that come along regularly that will help us to do this. Thomas Chalmers, the famous Scottish theologian and preacher, 
felt his inadequacy every Sabbath evening after preaching twice in Edinburgh, and he rejoiced as he reflected on his inadequacies of proclaiming the gospel that God justified the ungodly. So let us rejoice always in the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ in this year. Let us pray without ceasing. Let us make prayer a constant in our lives this year. Perhaps it will be congregational prayer for you. But perhaps this is not something that you've been involved in or, or, or attended. Perhaps you never prayed at the prayer meeting. Perhaps this is something that you could continue, improve, or begin. Family prayer. Do you pray as parents and children, husband and wife? Let's resolve to do this. Let's maintain this. Let's develop this. Let's improve this. In this year, personal prayer, not only referring to our quiet times, but to developing a spirit or habit of prayer so that prayer becomes an instinctive and natural aspect of our lives. So that when driving or walking, we are constantly manifesting our dependence on our Heavenly Father. Pray without ceasing. And thirdly, give thanks in all circumstances. And this is an incredibly hard resolution to adopt. And wonderfully, the apostle helps us over the many hurdles that immediately rise up in our mind as we think of this resolution by stating the reason why we can do this in verse number 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The reason, perhaps the only reason in our lives that we can give thanks always is because our saving God has a wise and personal reason for our circumstances. Luck, fortune, chance has no place in our lives or language in this new year. God's will is the controlling force in the universe and in our lives, families, and congregations. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I sympathize more, a little more, with all of you in the midst of a trial who are struggling with this command. Is a little personal reference, okay? Not take too long on this. Last week I had an insight into some of the struggles, a little of the struggles, with this very concept of giving thanks in all circumstances. After the minister's conference, my car wouldn't start. I had the speaker in the passenger seat. I had plans to meet people in Ards. I was in Limavady. It was pouring rain. I was among ministers not renowned for their mechanical ability. And I remember thinking as I splashed through the rain in my short-sleeved t-shirt, why now, Lord? Why here? That was Wednesday. James, can you help me out? There, okay. On Thursday, I drove my dad home to Balamoney from the city hospital. 
I had to open the car windows for him to get air, and when I came to return home at 9.30 p.m., my windows wouldn't close. And I prayed for them to close, but they didn't. And I drove the whole way home with the heater on full and wrapped up as best as I could. I thank now, thank God now for those experiences because both of those issues are resolved. The car is better. But there were hard circumstances at the time. As I prayed for them to be different and they weren't changed. And at the time the best thing in my head at that moment that I could think of was that God had a purpose for denying my prayer. And that is the thanks that we're to give always. That God's will is being fulfilled. We're not called to to thank God for the inconvenience. We're not called to thank God for the expense that, that we're out but we're called to recognize and to thank God that in all our adverse circumstances, however low he brings us, however inconvenient they are for us, however dark the tunnel is that he calls us to crawl through, that it's his will in our life that's been worked out. We're to trust him to thank him that he is in control our wise loving mighty heavenly father so here are three resolutions in relation to our time for this new academic year to fill our moments with joy with prayer with thanks And then there's resolutions secondly for our relationships in verses 19 to 21. Relationships to to three parties. Firstly, to the Holy Spirit in verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within every believer. And the term quench here refers to putting out a fire. We know and we'll know increasingly as the nights darken and the temperatures fall, the challenges of keeping the fire going in colder weather. We want the benefits of the fire in our living rooms or conservatory, the comfort, the light, the heat. But sometimes we quench those benefits. We reduce the effectiveness of the fire by neglect of the fire, by overloading the fire, by putting on incompatible substances on the fire. Invergarry, in the north of Scotland, there is a ruin of MacDonald's Castle. And it is in ruins because on the occasion when they fought against the clan Mackenzie, members of the clan MacDonald mistakenly poured into a barrel of gunpowder water. Their cannons couldn't fire. And so we too, we too can quench the powerful, the wise, the loving, the holy, the divine, the gracious spirit of God by bringing into our lives entities which are not compatible 
with the Holy Spirit. He indwells every believer from the new birth. He's the flame, the fire, the light, the heat, the comfort within our souls. But every song learned, every novel read, every film watched, every website visited, which is incompatible with the character of the Spirit, will dampen, will quench, the text says, his influence on us. And conversely, every object we view Every note we listen to that's compatible with the character of the Spirit will advance the work of the Spirit in our lives. Quench not the Spirit. Then in relation to our church, verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Prophecies refers to the foretelling of God's word, which today in our church is preaching. Many in our community sadly despise preaching and so don't attend church. They consider it perhaps authoritarian, Victorian, outdated, irrelevant, and so they despise prophecy. Some people who do attend church reject the message preached and so they despise it. Others who hear the message, listen to the preaching, agree with it, but do not respond to it, and so they, in a sense, also despise prophecy. Not despising the preaching of God's word will affect our preparation for church, our attention in church, our response after church. How did we respond after this morning's sermon? Did we dismiss it as extreme? Did we agree with it and apply it to others? Or did we spend a moment with God, acknowledging our impurity and receiving his forgiveness? Our relation to church. And thirdly, our relation to society in verse 21, test everything. The immediate context is testing the sermon. Is it compatible with the whole teaching of Scripture? However, the application of this statement is wider than the sermon to all things that we encounter in our society. It's not saying that we should try everything, sample everything, and then decide if it's good for us or not, but that everything that comes our way in life that is offered to us, we should put it to the test. We should examine it. The word originates in metallurgy. Traders should test all metals offered to them over the counter or in the bazaar. Not accept all that's offered as genuine metal. And we are to test everything. The new drama series on a Friday evening spooked Ireland. Will it be good for us? The new PlayStation game Grand Theft Auto 5 Premium Edition, will it be good for us? Let's not launch into things but hang around the door and look in first. Let us test everything. Here are resolutions for our relationships with the Spirit, with the church, with society. And thirdly, resolutions for ourselves. 
leading us to verses 22 to 24. Here the apostle is praying this, this great prayer that we'll be kept blameless. Here's one of the greatest resolutions in the whole of the Bible for ourselves in this church, school, academic year. Perhaps it's a corrective to our aims for this year. As you look at your school year, the church year, the academic year, perhaps you have goals and targets and aims that you want to fulfill. Young people, what do you want for yourself in this school year? To pass your exams, to get good grades, and and that's a good aim. Adults, what do you want in this year for yourself? Perhaps it's just to be able to pay the bills in this year, and that is a good aim. Elders of this congregation, what do you want for the members of this congregation and for yourself in this year that the church will grow? And that is a good aim. And all of those God in his grace and goodness and wisdom might grant in our families, in our lives, in our children. But here is the supreme aim. The ultimate desire of the apostle for these young believers and and for us all. That we will be kept blameless. The term at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it is, contains the two ideas that of being, being ready for Jesus coming. That we were kept blameless at the moment of his coming. And at his coming we will be made blameless. Those two ideas are contained in that phrase. That in our lives, this is his aim, his desire, his longing, that, that they, as they live in Thessalonica, and as we, as we live here in Ards or, or Bangor or, or, or the local community, will be kept blameless. And he breaks it down for us into body, soul, and spirit. Spirit, the highest part of our human nature, the invisible element in our humanity. When this term is set beside soul, it does not indicate two separate parts in us, as you all know, but rather one aspect of that one invisible part. Spirit emphasizes our relation to God. We worship God and spirit, our spirit and truth, John 4, 24. So the desire here is to be sanctified, to be blameless in our relation to God. We want to have a close relationship with him. We want regular contact with him. We want to have repentance and faith and love to God in our spirit. We want regular repentance, no cherished sin, no unconfessed sin in our spirit. So there is no barrier to him as we fellowship with him and pray with him. Filters in our dishwashers need to be regularly cleaned out. Clogged filters inhibit the efficiency of our dishwashers. So our spirits need regular cleansing. Our soul indicates the hidden element in us in relation to society. There is so much in our society that can pollute us. So much that we hear that can affect our souls and pollute them. So much that we see. There is nothing that we cannot see online. However, the more we see, the more distracted and discontent we can become. I can't get the image of the biggest cruise ship, the icon of the seas, out of my head. 20 decks, 40 restaurants, 7 pools, 55 feet waterfall. 
Let's determine to watch our souls by watching our seeing, our hearing, and our body. Not just the obvious avoidance of of drugs, but what about other detrimental actions to our body? What about irregular sleeping habits? What about overeating or eating the wrong types of food, which brings us all kinds of health problems? Let's determine that not only in our spirit and our soul, but in our bodies, we will be devoted to God in this year. As we adopt these resolutions, there are three encouragements in this context for us. One is that we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 18 contains that phrase that's found throughout uh, the whole of this book right from the very beginning. In Christ Jesus. We're already loved, accepted by God. None of these resolutions in relation to ourselves, to relationships, to our time will make us more loved, more accepted, more secure in our salvation. Just like a daughter who's loved by her parents unconditionally, taught by her parents from her birth that their love for her is like God's love for them, that whatever she does, they will always love her. And will that assurance of unconditional love make the daughter work harder or lesser for her exams? I suggest harder, not to gain her parents' love, but because she is loved and wants to please her loving parents. In adopting these resolutions, we're not trying to earn the love of our Heavenly Father, but to do what pleases Him who loves us. The second encouragement is that God is working with you. Verse 24 states, he will surely do it. In our journey through life, in the Christian life, God is with us, working through us, along with us, in us. He's the principal partner in this development into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We are not our own in this. That Jesus' second coming, this goal will be realized. As we journey through, As we look to Jesus' second coming, the desire is, the aim is, the hope is that we will be kept blameless. The third encouragement is that others are praying for us. This is not the first time the Apostle Paul has offered this prayer to God for these young believers. At the end of the first half of the letter, chapter 3 and verse 13, he offers the very same prayer, that God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. And what an encouragement this is to those believers, that here is this 
apostle and all the busyness of his life and all the interests that he has and he is praying for them. He's not only setting down this as a command, as a resolution for them to adopt, but that he is assuring them that this is his regular, his repeated, his constant prayer for them. That in their body, in their soul, in their spirit, in their whole being, that their heavenly Father will keep them blameless. The home crowd helped the Ryder Cup team. And we're encouraged that our parents pray this for us, that our elders pray this prayer for us, that our spouse desires us to be kept blameless, that our minister asks God for this in our life. So as we end Thessalonians, the apostle sets out these resolutions for the young believers to adopt, short, snappy, comprehensive, in relation to time, in relation to their relationships, in relation to themselves. And as we, as a congregation, begin this church year, let us reflect on them. And by God's grace, not only memorize them, but, but allow them to seep into our life that we will honor Christ who loved us and gave himself for us.